Alright, so last week we began a series called Missional Living. Uh, did this last year and I think this is something we're going to just keep circling back to here. As I, I sent out an email to the church that uh, with our values, that the values that we have as a church, not an exhaustive list, but just some key uh, big rocks that we would consider our core values here. And one of those is missional living. We are a people on mission with God. God has invited us into to, to live missionally, to be on mission with Him, and and we therefore we make it our aim to live missional lives, and we aim to preach and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, and we live missionally, and and so. In the, these next couple of messages, this one and next week, we want to put that, the emphasis on that. The church needs a continual encouragement in this area because we tend to, to gravitate towards our comfort zones rather than living missionally and getting out of the boat, right? And so last week we looked at the greatest missionary ever. Who was? Jesus. You can't top Jesus, right? He came. He was a missionary from heaven. To earth, and he came down to rescue us. And this week, we're going to take a glimpse of the Apostle Paul. He, it, it might be argued that he's the second greatest missionary ever. This brother was—he uh, laid down his life for the gospel's sake, and that that the gospel would go forward, that people's lives would be transformed. And he—he—he he, he didn't try to save his life. He just kind of let go and surrendered his life to the will of God, to the mission of God. And today, us Gentiles, we got Gentiles in here, those of us who aren't Jews, we have the gospel partly because of Paul bringing it to the Gentiles. Paul traveled, he brought it, he brought it to the outskirts, he brought it to the Gentiles, he brought that message, and uh, we're going to look at, at Acts chapter 20, and this is uh, Paul on his third missionary journey, he had already established the church at, at Ephesus, so there were some elders there. And he was making a, a, a trip back and he met them at a place called Miletus. And so he met up with them and this was just kind of a quick hello. And uh, he shared with them and they prayed together. They cried together. It was, it, this is a very an emotional moment. But as he's talking to him, uh, these guys, this is actually in every other place in the book of Acts, Paul is speaking to unbelievers. The speeches that we see Paul giving, they're to unbelievers. But this is one of the few and only uh, that I'm aware of uh, a speech where Paul is talking to other Christians. And it sounds a lot like some of his letters, like Ephesians or Philippians or Colossians. Okay, so we're going to pick it up from verse 17. And now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And they came to him and he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not count my life of any value 
nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify you to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. For I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And therefore, be alert, remembering For three years, that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an, give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourself know that these hands have ministered to my necessities and those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and they kissed him being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again and they accompanied accompanied him to the ship. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a powerful little section of scripture that we have here. Um, Here's the big idea of where we're going from this uh, is that Paul imitated the example of Christ and modeled for other Christians a missional life. He followed in Jesus' footsteps. He lived like Jesus. This was a man who could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's what he aimed to do, is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Like Jesus who was set on going to Jerusalem and being crucified, Paul had his, his gaze set. He knew he was going to Jerusalem to testify of the gospel of grace. He, he lived with this sense of mission and this sense of purpose, much like Jesus did. And the first thing is I, I, I want to look at, I, there's, there's several marks of his life uh, that I want to highlight in this passage. But one of them is that he was a humble servant. He was a humble servant. Verse 18, he says, when he came to them, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. This is powerful. Now, he's he's calling their attention to their life, to his life. He's saying, remember, remember, you guys know how I lived. You know the kind of lifestyle that I lived. And, And just think, by the way, can you can you point somebody else to your life and say, you guys know how I lived. Imitate that. What areas of your life can you say that and lead other people in and say, do what I do, do there? You know, parents, I've heard parents say, you know, don't, don't do, don't do as I, as I do, but do as I say. 
That doesn't work very well for discipleship. That does not work very well for parenting. All right. And Paul was somebody who wouldn't say, don't do what I do, do what I say. No, he practiced what he preached. He lived it out and he could say, live like this. He could say, you guys know that I serve the Lord with humility. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a very humble statement there. You guys know how humble I am, right? It doesn't sound very humble, but Paul saw himself in truth. He saw himself with an accurate evaluation of who he was before God. And these these elders at Ephesus, they knew him. They saw his life. And it's not like he was boasting here. I'm, I'm the most humble of them all. Uh, he was just calling to the attention of the, the humble life of service that he lived. It's kind of like in the Old Testament where uh, Moses is called, in Numbers, he's called the, the most humble man on the face of the earth. And you know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses, Moses did. <laughs> and so this isn't a proud statement here, but this is a statement of, of Paul just saying, hey, look at how I serve the Lord in Humility. Paul referred to himself as a servant. Now, of course, he was an apostle and he had privileges and he had rights and he had this authority as an apostle to, to call people to, to follow Jesus, right? But he, he, he described himself as a servant, a servant of Christ, a bond servant of Christ. He had this mindset of, of what he called the Philippians to. In Philippians 2, 2, he said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of, esteem others above yourself and, 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 and have this same mindset that Jesus had, this mindset of lowliness and humility. That, that though he was God, he didn't cling to his rights as God. Jesus came down and he washed feet. This is a mark of a missional life, being a humble servant. This is a humble servant. This is a mark of a godly leader. This is a mark of, of Christ-likeness, a humble servant. Jesus came as a humble servant. And if we're going to be effective in living missionally, we need to take on the mindset of being a humble servant. We need that same thing. People respond to that. That's winsome. When they sense humility... And, and that, that you're, you're trying to serve them. You're not trying to, to, to love them with a hook and get something back from them. You're trying to serve them humbly uh, because you're seeking what's best for them. Uh, the next thing I want to highlight is that Paul's life was marked by hardship. He says that with tears and trials, you guys know I serve the Lord with humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Down to verse 22 and 23. He says, And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. How would you like that as a prophetic word from the Holy Spirit? You got affliction and you got imprisonment. You're going to jail. You got chains. You got trials. How would you like that? I think the more that we give ourselves to the mission of God, the more likely we are going to face opposition and trials and hardship and right. afflictions and imprisonment. I mean, Paul was the one who said in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, what? Persecution. That's a great um, refrigerator verse to put on your refrigerator. 
All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We follow the crucified Savior. Right? We're, we're disciples of the crucified Savior, the one who was a, a, a man of sorrows, a, a man who took on suffering, who stepped into the suffering of this world and the brokenness of this world to seek and save that which is lost. And I think we can expect this. The more that we put ourselves at risk to live on mission for God, we can expect hardships. We could try to save ourselves and preserve our lives and just cushion, put all the cushions around us that we can from, from hardships and trials. But, but what, what kind of life is that when we die and we stand before God? Is that a life worth living? Paul was somebody, as it says in verse 24, who didn't count his life as precious to himself. He was surrendered. He was surrendered to the will of God, to the plan of God. And when we give ourselves to mission, when we give ourselves, when we, when we become a Christian, if you're going to become a Christian, there's going to be hardships. There's going to be trial. Just, just living in life. Even if you're not a Christian, there's going to be hard things in life. But the level of those hardships will increase the more you give yourself to the mission of God. Right. Believe me. Yes. You get on the front lines and you're going to get shot at. You stay back and you hide in the bunker. You're, you might feel safe, but Jesus is out there on the front lines. And we get to experience God. Uh, what's that movie? I love that movie, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, man, that dude. Anyways, I'm, that's a sideshow. Okay, I'm not going to go there. Oh, by the way, there is a movie out right now in the theaters called The Apostle Paul. Who wants to go see that this week? I wanted to see that this weekend. I thought, man, that could really inspire me for this sermon if I'd go see this movie. Because his life is such an example of Christ-likeness. He, he, he endured so much for the gospel's sake. Uh, look, look at this next thing here I want to highlight uh, in verse 20, uh, 20 through 25. Uh, Paul was honest and bold in his proclamation of the truth. He says, uh, he says, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is almost like a bad word in some circles. Like some, a lot of people don't want to say that word or sin. Yeah. Sin, hell, repentance. Paul didn't, didn't shrink back from saying those hard things. He didn't shrink back from experience the hard, experiencing the hardships and following Jesus. And he didn't shrink back from letting people know that they needed to turn from their sins. And that if they're going to follow Jesus, he said, I think in Acts 14, that we enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation. Uh, he went strengthening uh, the, the believers there. So he, he preached repentance towards God. He preached faith in Jesus. Um, verse 27, go down there. Uh, yeah, verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul is alluding to something that uh, God in, in, was saying to uh, Ezekiel and back in Ezekiel 33, uh, referring to Ze- Ezekiel as a watchman. God says that if, if, if 
uh, a watchman that's placed on the wall that's there to warn the people when an army is coming with the sword. If they if the watchman falls asleep on the wall while there's an army coming with the sword, then he's he's accountable for the blood of the, the people that he didn't alarm with a trumpet. Okay, so Paul's alluding to that. He's referring back to this here. He says, I'm innocent of the blood of all because he like like a watchman. He blew the trumpet and he called people to repentance. He said and, and preached at, at, at Mars Hill in, in Acts 17, uh, verse 30 and 31, that God commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day in which he's going to judge the world through Jesus Christ in righteousness. So God's, God's going to bring judgment. And so therefore he calls people to repent, to turn to God, to find mercy and grace and salvation in Christ Jesus. And Paul didn't shrink back from saying some of those hard things. Now that's not, that's not the best way to, to build a big church. At least that's what, that's not the strategy of many, uh, many preachers today. Uh, there, they, they, there's a, there's a tendency to kind of water the message down and, and make it more palatable and sweet. And, and Paul declared the whole counsel of God. By the way, I have a picture in my office as a reminder of the watchman of Ezekiel 33 that God was talking about. It falls asleep uh, while there's an army coming. And it's a reminder for me that I am to preach the whole counsel of God, that I'm to preach the gospel, that I'm to say the things that I'm comfortable in saying and the things that I'm uncomfortable in saying, that I preach the word of God and let it say what it says whether people like it or like me or not. I'm committed to, to doing this very thing that Paul is. So that I too can say I'm innocent of the blood of all. I, I didn't, I did my job in warning people that you have to repent and you have to turn to Jesus Christ and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Just think if you live with that sense of urgency and that sense of conviction in your heart and in your soul for those around you that you have relationship with. Imagine this, if if one of your neighbor's house was on fire and you knew they were in there and that they were asleep, would you go and would you knock on that door? Would you bang on it? Would you do anything you can to to get them out of there, to wake them up? Even if you knew you were going to offend them and they might come to the door with a gun and come to the door angry or they they might call the police on you or whatever. If you really care for your neighbor, you're going to warn them that they're in danger. And this is something that helps me when I'm when I'm concerned about being rejected or feeling nervous about talking to somebody about the Lord. This is a reminder for me that 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 they're going to stand before Almighty God and give an account. And I want them to be ready. And then I'm going to stand before Almighty God and give an account uh, as to did I did I. Faithfully preach the message and call people to repent. You know, I would rather people hate me. So I die. We both die. I'd rather people hate me and, 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 but, but live with the knowledge that I, that I spoke the truth about Jesus Christ. Then to have people really like me and think I'm a nice guy, but I never say those hard things that I know that they need to hear. Like calling them to stop living in sexual immorality. Like calling them to, to, to give up their addiction. Like calling them, them to quit lying and stealing or, or whatever the sin is. And, and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's be a church 
who is honest and bold in our proclamation of the Word of God. And let's not shrink back from that. We are committed to, to preaching what the Word of God says here. Um, let's look briefly here at Paul's message here. So in here he describes his message. His message was one of repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, that's what Jesus preached. Right. When Jesus evangelized, uh, Mark 1.15, he said, repent and believe the gospel. Right? Paul's just doing what Jesus was doing, preaching what Jesus was preaching. Repentance and faith. Uh, Paul preached the whole counsel of God. He didn't hold back on the hard things. He he revealed the plan of God, the purpose of, of God, the revelation of God. He gave it to him. And then Paul preached the gospel of grace. That was his message. He preached Jesus, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so let's let that message be on our lips. Let's let the message of the gospel be on our lips. Paul also, verse 22, uh, his life was marked by the power and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Notice this in verse 22. He says that he's, he's, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. So the Spirit's leading him. The, the Spirit's compelling him. You're going to Jerusalem, Paul. Even though uh, when you get there, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. There's tribulation, there's affliction, there's imprisonment awaiting you wherever you go. And yeah, he testified in verse 23, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. To live an effective missional life, we need the power and the activity of the Holy Spirit. This is all, go back to Acts 1-8. This This was the key. This is a key verse for the book of Acts. Jesus said, that, that power will come upon you. That when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit leads us into this activity of living on mission, Right? Jesus, he was anointed by the Spirit. In Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The Holy Spirit leads us in mission. He empowers us for mission. And you know what? As you step out into the risk zone, he'll show up in those risky, dark, difficult places for you. Peter promises that. That when you're salted for, for, for the gospel's sake, for Christ's sake, that the Spirit of God and of, of uh, glory rests upon you, right? God, God is present. The Spirit of God is active. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to invite Him to have His way in us. Paul, when he started this church, and, and you can read about Acts 19, when he started the Ephesian church, there was much activity of the Holy Spirit going on here. Right. These guys got filled with the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues and prophesying. So the Ephesian church was a charismatic church, right? Holy Spirit fell on them after they got baptized. 
And, and then there were, it says in uh, Acts 19, verse 11, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. The Spirit of God was moving powerfully through the life of Paul. And we need that same thing. If we're going to be faithful and effective witnesses, if we're going to live missional lives, we have to lean into the power of the Spirit. We need to ask Him. Paul says, he wrote the Ephesians in Ephesians 5. He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Paul commanded the Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. Let God, let God the Holy Spirit fill your life. We are a church who believes in the Spirit. We welcome the Spirit of God. We embrace that command that Paul gave the church in Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit of God. We know that we need that. And we won't see the fruit that we long for unless we let the Holy Spirit have His way. Because He brings the fruit. What's what's the fruit of the Spirit, y'all? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to hang around people like that? We want to be around joyful, positive people, loving people, kind people, gracious people. We want to be married to somebody like that, right? We want to work with somebody like that. We want our kids to have those character qualities. So we need the power of the Spirit. Let's invite Him. Let's ask Him to fill us, to lead us, to guide us. And like Paul, we will see him leading us, guiding us, working through us powerfully. The next thing I want to highlight is that Paul was gospel-centered. Acts, Acts 20, 24. He says, I do not count my, account my life as any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was so set on getting this message out that he didn't value his own life. And this wasn't like a self-hatred deal. Right. This was this was he cared more about Christ and his mission than he did about his own life. Paul said in, in Philippians chapter 1 for for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. is gain. Those are challenging words, are they not? Yeah. I mean, can you really say that? For me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who wasn't trying to save his life. This is a guy who's laid his life down for the gospel's sake to bring the message to lost people. And I think if we had a church full of people like that, we would see this community transformed. If we lived out this verse right here, if we were gospel, so gospel centered that we surrendered our lives completely to getting that message out. We didn't care about getting rejected. We didn't care about getting ridiculed or beaten or, or uh, have the door slammed in our face or, or called all kinds of evil things falsely. Because we know that that's how they treated Jesus. That's how they treated the prophets. And anybody who's going to follow in the footsteps of the crucified Savior 
is going to experience that as well. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. It's going to happen. You know, you can expect that. Those are, that's another promise for you. Um, but that doesn't mean that we should, uh, doesn't mean we should be a jerk for Jesus and then say it's because, you know, because I'm following Jesus. We, we can give people legitimate reasons to hate us besides our Christianity, right? Paul also instructed Timothy, he said, told him to be uh, a servant of the Lord is, is not quarrelsome, but he's, he's gentle. He's humble. He corrects those who are in opposition. Okay, so Paul was gospel-centered. He was he had the the activity of the Holy Spirit, and then the last one here uh, that I want to highlight is uh, verse thirty-three through thirty-five. He was a hard worker. He says, "I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves know." These hands have ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we may we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was diligent. He was a hard worker. He he exhorted the church, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, uh, whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord, not unto man, knowing that, that that from him you will receive your reward for you serve Christ. So he, he he exhorted the church to do that. And he he not only preached it, but he practiced it. And he said in another place as an apostle, he could have he could have he could have merely lived off the the contributions of the church. But there were times when he he forfeited that right to, to be an example and not be a burden to any of the churches that he was starting. He forfeited that right. And he worked hard with his hands. I mean, work is good. God has created all of us to work and have some responsibility and be productive in life. There's physical labor and there's also mental labor too. There's different kinds of work that we can engage in. God's designed us for that. And, uh, and, and Paul, Paul was what? A tent maker, right? So he was he would build these tents and 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 he would do these little side jobs as he's going around preaching the gospel, uh, and he was an example of hard work. And also in Ephesians it says it has this idea. He exhorts Ephesians four. He says working hard in this that we must help the weak. Paul tells in Ephesians four those who stole let him who still steal no longer, but rather let him work with his hands that he may have something to give to those in need. So we should be hard workers, not just so that we can have our own needs taken care of, but so that we can help those who are in need around us. So this is a mark of a missional life. A missional life is a hard worker. A missional life is somebody who's gospel-centered. A missional life is somebody who has the power and the activity uh, upon their lives. Uh, A missional life is somebody who honestly and boldly proclaims the truth a missional life will be marked by hardship and a missional life is marked by uh, humble service so an application here i want to challenge you to give yourself to be to live a missional life every day what would it look like for you to live missionally in your context with your family with your kids in your neighborhood at your workplace what would it look like for you to follow in the footsteps of Jesus or to imitate Paul as he imitated Christ? 
What would it look like for you to move more towards a missional life? Would it be inviting your neighbors to a Bible study or to dinner and trying to talk to them about the Lord or just asking them, can I pray for you for anything? Uh, I think it's, it's definitely going to involve us getting a heart for people around us. And I think it starts there. If you want to live a missional life, you need to have a heart for people around us. I mean, we could also, I could do a sermon on, on what motivated Paul. And one of the things he said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, he says, the love of Christ compels us. Mm, compels us. Compels us. The love of Christ compels us to go and to speak to those around. The love of Christ compels us. And ask God to give you his heart for those around you. Jesus himself, when he saw the multitudes, it says in the Gospels that he was, he was moved with compassion. I mean, if you, can, if you can drive by this Texaco up here and see all the dark activity going on, drug dealing, and see people who are completely lost, and are headed for destruction, they're destroying their lives, and not be moved in any way, and just not care about those people, then, then you may be lacking some compassion. You know, if, if we can look on people whose lives are in shambles, and they're suffering, and they're in pain because of their choices, or because of life circumstances, and they're just going through hard times, and, and we're not moved at all, with compassion, then we're lacking God's heart. God wants us to get his heart and he wants us to be moved with compassion. Beautiful. I mean, that's why Jesus came. Yeah. That's why Jesus left the comforts and the glories of heaven. Yeah. He could have just chilled up there. Right. Inhabiting the praises yeah. of all the angels. Just enjoying eternity there. But he got out of his comfort zone. Beautiful. He, he laid aside his privileges and rights. He laid down his life. And that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It means living a missional life. So learn, learn from those and imitate those who live a missional life. Identify biblically. I mean, we've got Paul. We've got Jesus. Who, who are those today in this life that you know that you have relationship with that are living with a strong sense of mission? Get around them. Yeah. Imitate them. Learn from them. Yeah. Listen, to, listen to them. Observe their life and imitate them as they imitate Christ. And seek to walk with them. Hang out with them. That's the last thing. Seek to be around those kind of folks because it'll just stir you up to be on mission. We need just that passion for the Lord and for, for evangelism, for outreach, for mission to be stirred up in our hearts. And we need to encourage one another. And that's one of the reasons why we have testimonies here on, on Sunday because we want to hear what's God doing through the church. We want to encourage one another in living on mission for Him. Uh, two opportunities that we have every month. So we're doing evangelism on Tuesdays now at 4.30. So if you want to come out and, and do some outreach, actually, um, so 4.30 on Tuesday, come join us. We'll go out. We're going to do some dart train. We're going to do uh, UTD. We're going to join uh, Braden Hosel and the, the crew there from CCI Dallas on some Tuesdays. And then twice a month, we have Dallas Life Foundation, the, the second and the fourth. Come join us for that and pray for some of the homeless folks that are there at Dallas Life Foundation. Love on them. Um, let's, let's close in prayer. Father, 
I know that there's a lot of people in the church who feel bored and lack purpose and meaning and sense of mission in their lives and they need this. They need to take action on what you have said and and what Christ has modeled for us, what Paul modeled for us. God, I pray that we as a church would get the joy and the excitement of living on mission uh, for you and with you. That we would see people come to faith in this season. That we would see neighbors, family members, and classmates come to faith and come to trust Jesus. And that you would give us a boldness. Paul asked for it. Would you give us boldness to proclaim that message, to to press past our insecurities, our fears, and talk to people, and engage people with gospel truth. Whatever those barriers are that keep us paralyzed, that keep us complacent, whatever barriers that are in our heart, God, where maybe we lack compassion, where we're numb, we just are indifferent, and we just really don't care about other people around us. Would you change that? Would you do surgery in our hearts, God, to bring us to the place where we are compelled by the love of Christ to step out, to speak out, to offer prayer, to offer a listening ear. And may we see the harvest be brought in in this next season. We pray, God, this Easter, may we see a great harvest, God, as we celebrate the resurrection. If you guys would join in singing this song, let's just make this our prayer.